I don't know how your week has been, but I'm telling you, I'm grateful for this community. And I'm grateful to be here today. I hope you are as well. Also, I don't know, they, they told me that I needed to mention this on a Sunday, but I don't know if you saw the announcement I made this past week, but I got to announce release of my brand new book called Scary Faith. It's really scary. It's a horror book. It's a, it's not, but uh, I'm excited to share this message with you guys and, and the world really. It's, um, it's really about my journey for the last few years leading our church and what God's been doing in me. And here's what's a really cool thing about it. I want you to know is it's not much just my story, but it's really our story together and what God's doing through our community and the steps of faith that we have taken and, and what it means to trust God in the middle of it. And here's what I want you to know. It's not written just for a pastor or a pastor's perspective, but I believe it's for every one of us because we're all called to live by faith. And it is scary to sometimes trust God in seasons when you don't see the outcome. You don't know what's going to happen. But I also believe it is the greatest way to live. And so I'm excited to share that story with you all. Coming soon, May 17th. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But I am I'm grateful to be here today. And we're going to continue our series. And so if you're new, I want to welcome you. If you're tuning in online or correctional facility or wherever you're watching this from or in the room, we've been talking about Jesus and uh, I think maybe there's nothing better to talk about when we're in church than to talk about who Jesus is. And I don't know your experience with Jesus. I don't know your experience with God. I don't know what brought you here today. Maybe you're someone who's curious. Maybe you're someone who's kind of trying to figure out faith and what it all looks like. Can I just tell you, if it all gets confusing, can I encourage you, just strip all of the extra stuff away and just say, who is Jesus? If you will start there, I'm telling you, that is the place you're gonna find real life. That's the place that you'll encounter God the most. And so that's what we've been doing for the last few weeks. We've been kind of looking at who Jesus really is, not the, the church Jesus, not the version of Jesus that we stick on our bumper stickers or we wear T-shirts that sometimes don't paint a full picture. Because sometimes Jesus got mad. Sometimes Jesus came unhinged. That's what we've been looking at those moments. They're my favorite. And, and so if you just remain standing, I wanna read to you today from our text that's found in John chapter 8. I'll just read part of it. And uh, the truth is, if, if you thought the first few weeks kind of really spoke to pastors and preachers rather than maybe you, um, then I got good news for you. These next two weeks are going to speak to, it's Jesus talking to the everyday person that was around him. It's not the religious Leaders, but it was the everyday person. And so I hope that it speaks to you today. John chapter eight, the context of this, Jesus began to explain that he had come from heaven. Now, can you imagine somebody coming up to you and trying to communicate that? He began to say, I, I came from our heavenly father and I, I came to show you and point to you the way. And everybody thought he was crazy. There were a few that believed him because of the signs that he did. And so he began to speak to those who believed him. In John eight, verse 31 to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And maybe you've heard this next verse, verse 32. Maybe this will be familiar. Then you will know the truth. And help me out with the rest of it if you've heard it before. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. I want you to note that. I would say a son or daughter, he's beginning to speak. Son or daughter. I love this. Um, verse 36, you probably heard this one too. So if the son sets you free, finish it with me, you will be Free indeed. Now I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. And I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you heard from your father. I want to teach a little bit today. It's going to be a little different. I'm going to need you to engage your, your 
your mind a little bit. We're going to kind of dive deep into this idea of what truth is. But I want you to help me first to share my title with maybe you're someone seated next to you. If you're online, you're home, you can do it as well. I want you to turn. I want you to look at them right in the eye till it gets kind of uncomfortable, especially if you don't know them. And I want you to ask them this question. This is my title. You give it to them. You're going to give it to them, right? Here's the question you're going to ask them. Ask them this. Who's your daddy? You got to say it. Ask them. Even if you don't know them. If she's kind of cute or he's, who's your daddy? Don't do that. That's, I know, I know. You know, sometimes, sometimes I uh, do things like that to knock the religious rust off of you. Shake it off a little bit. If you are here last week, you'll know I messed up, screwed up. So, you know, who's your daddy? We're going to talk about it. I don't even know if we can pray, if I can recover after this, but we need to. Pray for me. I'm going to pray, but I need you all to pray for me. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you are our Father. And Lord, I pray that in these next moments that we share together, that God, I pray that you would open up our minds. God, allow us to receive something from heaven today. I, I don't want to just show up and go to church because I'm supposed to. But I, I pray, God, now that I could get out of the way and that your voice would speak loudly. I feel like I can't even do this message justice today, but I need your spirit, God, to anoint this moment in the ears of the people who hear it to receive truth from heaven. God, I'm so grateful for your presence in this place. And I'm thankful for Jesus. We pray these things in his precious name. And everybody said, come on, let's give him praise. He's so good and worthy. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. If you uh, have forgotten what the message is about, you can remind the person, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You know, there was a moment when I felt like there was a cultural shift in society globally where everything changed. It, it was uh, something I remember so clearly. Some of you might remember this moment back in 2015, which, by the way, feels like a lifetime ago. When I say 2015, it feels like it was two decades ago. I don't know if that's COVID, but, but it's, it's a moment where there was something that went viral and it caused fights and family feuds and wars, wars that are happening today around our globe, really, I think, all initiated from, from this, this one picture. And really, it was more than that. It was, it was this one dress that <laughs> changed everything. Y'all know what dress I'm talking Put it up, put it up, put it up. That dress. That one dress. Now, I got to ask a question. I just got to ask a question. We're going to play a little game. We're going to see who, who knows the truth. We're going to see who has been inspired from heaven or is a son of the devil. We're going to find out who your daddy is today. How many of you see white and gold dress? Raise your hand if you see a white. Hold your hand up if you see white and gold, the color of heaven. The way the streets are gold and Jesus is wearing white. If you, amen, if you see white and gold. Now, how about all of you that see blue and black? Raise your hand. Oh, dear Lord, the sons of the devil, the daughters of. Y'all remember when this came out? It was, it was war. It was like, it was so hard when you see white and gold, it's so hard to understand how somebody else can see blue and black, right? And vice versa. If all you can see is blue and black, you can't understand how somebody else can see what you're like, you're crazy. Stop lying to me. Tell me the truth. You, ever, you, ever, you had those conversations? Now, I don't know if any of you know this, and maybe we could all just... Maybe we could all at least have one thing that we could agree on. One thing we could agree on. That dress is either white and gold or it's blue and black, but it can't be both. Can we agree on that at least? It's one or the other. How many of you know what it, it really is? It's white and gold, right? All right. I'm not going to tell you if you don't know. Some of you have forgotten. You're going to have to look it up. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you because, because it really depends. 
It depends. You know, they, they started studying this because it was messing with the scientists and everybody. Like, how do you see that and I see that? How do we not see the same thing? It's the same picture. How do we not see the same thing? And they started studying it. You know what they discovered? They discovered it is how somebody perceives illumination, not just in this photo, but also in life. And so whether you see it in the foreground, the background, light, and the way it hits or shadows, and they really determined that how we live kind of determines the way we see even this picture. And I thought this is fascinating to me because there's really only one reality, but we see it in two different ways. And as I was thinking about truth a little bit, I was thinking, isn't that a perfect picture for what it looks like today while we argue about so much that we are so convinced that we believe is true, that, that we see things differently than someone else, and we can't understand how they can think that way when we see it completely different. And let's be honest, like, it's not just this, it's every aspect of life. It's why we argue over what we believe politically. It's because we see it one way. It's how we perceive it. And someone else sees it a different way. And we can't understand how you can't see it my way. Listen, and let's be honest. There's only one real dress. There's only one reality. But we cannot even agree on that. I mean, I'm not talking about just a dress. Let's talk about where we get our news from. Today, depending on your political leaning, depending on the way you see life, you're going to watch one station and one station only because you're going to assure that every single person on there is telling you the truth. Meanwhile, someone else who has a different perspective is watching a different station, and they're convinced that everybody else that's watching that station is receiving nothing but lies. Now, this is, this is 21st century I'm talking right now. This is life. We can't agree. We don't know what's real anymore. We're wondering, was the slap real? <laughs> it's never been more relevant. I just, I preach so relevant. You know, I'd like to, was the slap real? There's people, was it staged? Was it a hoax? Was it, we cannot agree on anything. Today, we cannot agree on what's true. This idea of truth has become such a moving thing. It's become so fluid, it's not concrete anymore. And today we don't even know what is true. I wanna talk a little bit about truth because I think in our cultural context today, it's really confusing. It's complex. It's hard because everybody screams that they have the truth. And it's really hard to know what is real anymore. Can I give you a definition maybe to kick us off? What, what, how do we define truth? It's a simple definition. You can probably find it in Wikipedia. I actually found this particular telling of this in a book that I read called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. It's actually a great book. If, if this conversation like spurs anything, I would encourage you to go get that one. But here's a real simple definition of truth. How about this? Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Let's kind of just process that. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. In other words, truth should always be tethered to something that is real, right? It's reality. So is it white or gold or is it blue and black? There's only one actual dress, even if we see it differently. Truth is tethered to reality. What's interesting is throughout time, the idea of truth and where we get it from has changed dramatically. It shifted so much, and I wanted to, I asked them to, to use the board again, and I actually haven't done this since, well, what, Origin Series, and so I just said, let's get it out, and I want to teach a little bit, and, I, and we're going to pause first, we're going to come back to the story, but I want to talk a little bit about truth, the progression of truth throughout human, humanity, okay, and so let's, uh, let's define, now if you're a note taker, you're going to love this because you know exactly what to write down, okay. And if you're not a note taker, you're going to write notes. So anyways, I want you to, we're going to talk about the progression of truth through human history. So if we consider human history and looking like a, a line like this, and this is human history, and it's all the way in the back, to, as far as we know, humans began in, to, to uh, today. Most sociologists, philosophers actually divide up human history into three primary 
um, eras, three primary ways to understand, and it's really talking about the general consensus of thought and how we approach life and how we get truth, okay? And so those three areas, I want to talk about these. First one is called pre-modernism, okay? Pre-modernism. Now, pre-modernism is a time span that covers about 10,000, from 10,000 B.C., to 1450 AD, pre-modernism. That, that's a kind of a, a big, long, but we basically have kind of learned so much that we just put all that into that category. Then there was a shift, okay, into what we call modernism. Modern, okay, make that D. Modernism, or sometimes you may have heard it called modernity, but modernism covers a span of about 1450, I know this is real little, might be hard, just listen to what I'm saying and write down, 1950 AD, okay? Pre-modernism, now, wh- why those dates? Well, okay, things began to change from people were mostly uneducated, but there were a few, and then in 1450, around the mid-1500s, what they say that really kind of became a catalyst was the printing press. That when all of a sudden you could take and you could get things into the hands of the masses, people could start learning and understanding. And then what you had during this period of time were things like the Enlightenment period or the Renaissance with art and literature, philosophy, theology even, okay? Uh, The scientific revolution. And we had, uh, we had incredible people of thought that come to life in this. Francis Bacon, who gave us the scientific method. And we had just things like that. Isaac Newton. And so science began to develop. Thought began to develop, okay? And so we have pre-modernism and then modernism. And then they felt like there was another major shift, okay, into what is called postmodernism. This happened around 1950 A.D., to present. So we are living in a postmodern culture. Okay? Now, what, what made that shift? Well, most will look back and say sometime after World War II, the world changed. Not just in America, this is global. The world changed. And all of a sudden, what had been for hundreds of years of kind of really where we got our truth and how we solved the world and culture began to shift into postmodernism. Now, I want to talk about these three areas and truth along the way, okay? The source of truth. Where do we get our truth from? And some of this will make sense as I explain it. Where do we get our truth from? Well, in a pre-modern era, era where do we get it from? We got it from something known as mysticism. Mysticism. What, what is that? Well, there was this idea that if we didn't understand something, in human history we didn't understand things, we just applied it to something mystical, okay? So the supernatural, which is above what is here. And so this is where you see all of the religions forming and you see different deities and polytheistic cultures where they would say, oh, we don't understand how the sun, okay, there must be a sun god. Oh, we don't understand that. There must be a deity for that. And so what we have in postmodern, the way our source of truth, if we didn't understand something, we applied it to that which was mystical, okay? Things shifted as the scientific revolution began to take place, and it went from mysticism to materialism, okay? Materialism. And some of you are like, oh, I know people are so materialistic. That's not what I'm talking about. Materialism means naturalism. In other words, they they started to say that if the source of truth, and we didn't understand things, came from that which was mystical, they started to question that and say, no, 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 no. If, If we cannot, like, touch it and feel it and scientific method and prove it, then it's not real. This is how we understand what's real. Remember, truth is tied to reality. And so all of a sudden, the focus become it became about what is natural and what could be proven. And so you see in this era kind of atheism and agnosticism and all of this skepticism started to rise about before it was everything was kind of like spiritual and it was, to now it's like, no, it's just natural. If this was supernatural, this is natural. And this is our source of truth. Now what has happened though in the last 50 to 70 years is there's been a shift 
we started to say, no, wait a minute, you're telling me that the soul doesn't exist? You're, you're telling me that there's no God because you can't prove if God is real? But, but I've had experiences, but I've had encounters, but I've, I don't believe that. And so there was another shift. And it went from mysticism to materialism. Now, here's what we have in a postmodern world. Now, this is a word you probably have never heard about. Meism, because I made it up. That's why you never heard it. But I needed all of them to start with M, because I spent a lot of time working on this stuff for you guys. I don't even think you appreciate how much work I put into this. Meism. This is how we see truth. Truth comes from above. Truth comes from around. Truth comes from within. Who are you to tell me what's true? You, you might... Just because you can't prove it, it became a pragmatic truth. In other words, I don't necessarily have, even though there's not theories and things to explain it, I really rationally believe it's real. And so truth began to move its source. Here's the source of truth. Now, how do we trust the source of truth? There's a big question. How do we trust it? Let me show you. We're going to walk through here. What would we trust for truth? Well, in a pre-modern era, we would trust the scholar, they were the educated ones, the ones who knew how to read and to write. Think about Jesus's time frame and who were the ones in charge. They were the Pharisees or the religious leaders who were educated. They were the scribes, the teachers of the law. They were the ones, the rabbis. And so everybody would come up and they would listen to them. And the way you receive truth was through the scholar. Now in a modern world, in modernity, the way we receive truth Maybe you already guessed. It was through a scientist. It was Newton. It was Boyle. It was uh, Maxwell. It was Einstein. How did we discover what was true? It was scientists who would do these scientific methods and then they would say, no, 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 that's not true. Here's the explanation by giving us evidence. And so well, this is how we received it. This is who do we trust? We trust this and then we trust the scientists. You can only imagine in a postmodern culture, guess who it is? Self. I trust what I feel. Doesn't matter what kind of degree you have, and it doesn't matter what facts you have. I trust myself. So the lens of truth is shifting. I just want you to see this, okay? And then the question we would ask is how do we receive truth? Jesus is talking about truth, and I'm just trying to help you culturally understand where we are and how we approach it. How do we receive truth? Well, through, in this, through the scholar or through the parents or through the educated, we would receive it through an explanation. Somebody would explain it. This is how it works. And you would trust the scholar. You would trust your parents. You would trust the person who would tell you. In modernity, in this phase, as culture shifted, it went from an explanation, maybe you can imagine, to an experiment. How do we trust the source of truth? Well, here's the facts. Here's the test results. Here's what we've come to. These are our conclusions. How do we know? In a postmodern world, I wonder if you can guess. How do we, what's our, how do we receive truth? Experience. Experience. Here's what we have today. I have a truth because of my experience. I think the dress is white and gold. No, well, I don't care if you actually tell me it's blue and black. I'm telling you that I, it's white and gold. Who are you to tell me what I am going to believe is to be true? And this is the shift that has happened with the progression of truth throughout human history. And it's really important for us to understand this. Why? Because truth today isn't necessarily about reality. It's about how you perceive reality. And that little subtle nuance has opened up the door for people to redefine what is true. Are you following me? Did I lose anybody? We're out of class now, okay? The bell just went off. Wake up, all right? Just 
Why, why is this so important and why do I believe Jesus is speaking to this? Is because of the confusion when it comes to the truth. And what we've seen is over time, things that were concrete or absolutes have kind of shifted to becoming relative, individualistic, have, have come to where it's personal. It's relative. I got relative truth. This is my truth. And whatever my truth is true, it doesn't matter if it's true for you. It's true for me. Then it is true. And this is not just in the culture. Can I just say this? This is happening as well in the church community. This is happening because there's a time when we held that there were certain things that we held to be true, but all of a sudden now we live in a culture that's saying, though we have the words that Jesus said, okay, but here's the thing, my take on it, because my experience, so God, God is love, okay, that's great, but my experience is somebody didn't love me, my daddy didn't love me. So how in the world am I supposed to believe that? And what we've done is we have taken and we've elevated our experience to be the absolute source of truth. Here is why that's so dangerous, right? Because we have all had bad experiences. In fact, I I might even say that some of the reason why some of you who are now maybe just coming to church but haven't for a really long time is because you had a bad experience once. I talk to people all the time that tell me that. You, had a, you, you went to a church once and you had a bad experience. You had a bad experience with a person who went to that church. Because of that, you go, I'm not going to church again. I had a bad experience. Because you met someone who was a jerk. Everybody in church is a jerk. Or because you had an interaction with a hypocrite. Everybody in the church is a hypocrite, Right? Because you went to this restaurant and you had bad service because you had a waiter who was angry because they were going through divorce and did ever I'm never going back there again. The food is awful and the service is terrible and all of the waiters and waitresses are rude. Oh, or maybe that one waiter or waitress had a bad night. Do you see what I'm saying? We've got to be careful that we don't elevate our experience to become truth. And so this is so murky, and Jesus understands that it's going to be really murky. And so to help us navigate it all, Jesus said, let me see if I can help bring us all back to something we can hold for truth. What did he say? He said, if you hold my teachings. So he's going to bring it all back. If you hold on to my teachings... Then you will be my disciples. And here's what he said. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will, it will set you free. If you hold to my teachings. Now, here's what's really interesting. If you're not familiar with Jesus' teachings, Jesus' teachings um, are not filled with theology. They're not filled with philosophical ideas. You know what Jesus taught? He taught how to live. Jesus didn't teach belief systems. He taught patterns for life. This is what I love about Jesus and his teaching. That's why we're getting back to Jesus because so many things that we have dumped onto Jesus and like all these ideas and Jesus wasn't that way. He would teach very practical things. In fact, if you go read through the Sermon on the Mount, which I believe was his ongoing typical message that he gave in every town, every city, it was the message he gave. He was telling people, if you want to experience the life that God created you have, you will live this way. He didn't say that you'll believe. He said, you'll live this way. And so he would say things like, you've heard it said. And they would go back to the way they understood things. You've heard it said, eye for an eye. And it's funny when you hear people say that today. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And Jesus said, yeah, I know you heard that said, but I'm going to tell you, don't resist an evil person. And so if they slap you on one side of the cheek, Chris Rock, (laughs) turn the other. You don't don't realize the stuff that Jesus says and how relevant it is to today, right? Jesus said things like, you've heard it said, do not murder. Ah, that's good. I'm telling you, don't even be angry at your brother. This is not philosophical, theological constructs. This is just the real simple, don't be angry. You, you, You receive forgiveness from God, great. Go forgive someone who's offended you. This is not belief stuff. This is practical. This is practice. This is how to live. And Jesus said, if you put into practice all the things that I'm teaching you, you're going to get a real foundation of truth underneath of you that when storms come blowing, your life is not going to fall apart. How do we know truth? It's the way you live. And Jesus said, if you want to know what is real, 
He said this, my way leads to freedom. See, one of the things I believe, even if you're not a Christ follower, I believe that if you would actually follow the pattern of his life and the teachings of his life, you would actually discover the best life. Because I think he knows the best how to live. And Jesus said to him, he said, if you hold to my teachings, you'll be free. And by the way, that ticked them off. They got really angry. And if you'll notice in verse 31, these are the people who believed him. These weren't the doubters. They were the ones who saw the signs and started to believe him. And they got angry. Because here's what I've discovered. All of us, everyone is convinced that they have the truth. You're convinced that you have the truth all the time. That's why you can have an interaction with a coworker or a family member and you walk away from it and go, oh, they are so misguided. <sighs> They've been listening to so-and-so again. It's just so, they're so, everyone, let's be honest. We're always convinced that we have the truth. Everybody else has got it wrong. Guess who else thought that way in Jesus' time? The Pharisees. The people that were so convinced that they were right and Jesus was the problem, because what we don't realize about the cultural implications is how easy it is to be deceived about what is true. And so Jesus started to talk about how do we know what is true? And their answer to him, I found fascinating. They were angry, they're mad. And look at what it said in verse 33. Let me reread that to you. They answered him, we are Abraham's children. We're Abraham's descendants and have never been, what? Say it out loud. They've never been, we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? We know who our daddy is. It's Abraham, father Abraham, and many sons, and many sons had father Abraham, right? We know who our daddy is. Abraham's our daddy. We're children of, the, of Abraham, the nation of Israel. We know who we are. And oh, by the way, we've never been slaves of anyone before. That's interesting. Have they forgotten their history? Have they forgotten their scriptures? Because if you read through the Old Testament, you get a different story, by the way. We've never been slaves. Can we talk about Egypt for a moment? Can we talk about hundreds of years of oppression in Egypt that God had to send Moses and do all these miracles to bring you out of slavery? Have we forgotten about that? We've never been slaves of anyone before. Can we talk about when you went into the promised land and you turned your back on God and God allowed other nations like the Ammonites and all these other nations to come in the Philistines and actually oppress you and for 20 years force you to do things you didn't want to do. I don't know what you call slavery, but that sounds like slavery to me. Or can we talk about the Assyrians that came in and wiped out the northern part of Israel, destroyed their capital city, drug many of them back to a foreign land to live and to do slave labor? Or can we talk about the Babylonians Babylonians that came in that wiped out Judea and Jerusalem and took them back? Or can we talk about the Romans? You are living right now in a time where you're not in control. These are the people Jesus is talking to. The Roman nation, Caesar, they tell you how to live and you have to pay these taxes to Caesar and you got to do this. And, and, and here's what's so funny. And this is, here's the danger of deception is to believe a truth, but it doesn't line up with reality. This is deception. And Jesus says, you think you're free, but you're not really free. And I believe what Jesus said isn't just for them, but it was also for us, because he's not talking about governments. He said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. That applies to us. Here's what, here's what he's trying to help us understand is you might think you're free, but because of sin, you're actually not free. You think you have mastery over your life. You think you're in control of everything in your life. I understand that. But what we don't understand is you're actually not free. See, you can, you can say, I'm gonna do it my way, not Jesus's way. You can. You can God gives you the freedom that you can say, I'm gonna live my, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do and I'm gonna live however I wanna live and you can think you're free but, but what you don't realize is that you might not actually be that free. Well, I can, I, I can stop drinking whenever I want. I know, but how come you won't? 
Well, I, I'm, I'm free and I'm in charge. I know, but why is it you keep having those thoughts of depression and despair and suicide that you don't want? Well, I'm, I'm in charge, I'm in control. I know, how come you keep having bursts of anger at home and yelling at your spouse or unloading on your kids, causing irreparable damage? I know, I know, you think you're free, but is it possible that your truth does not line up with reality? See, here's the thing about deception. We have to understand where it comes from. Deception goes all the way back to the father of deception, and that's in the garden. In the garden of Eden, when God had created mankind and a serpent slithered his way up to Eve and asked her a question, you all know this question? Said, said this, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in this garden? Is God really that mean? Is he just a mean old ogre? Is he just, is God really that limiting? Is God really that, did God really say? And, and Eve's response back was, no. In fact, God said, we can eat of any tree, but if you eat of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's like poison for our soul. He said, if we touch this one tree, then we will die. And you know what the serpent said to her? You won't die. God's trying to pull one over on you. Here was this, in the, in the garden was a battle for the source of truth. Where am I gonna, what am I gonna believe? What source? You won't die. God knows that when you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open and you're gonna be just like him. You don't have to live under the oppression of God who restricts you from enjoying everything. No, that's not what he did. This is deception. It's a lie. It's a twisting. And by the way, deception is so close to the truth. It's so close to the truth. This is why we don't even realize so many of us, we think we have the truth, but we might be deceived in certain areas, but we don't even realize it because it's so close to it. Hey, no, 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 no. And, and you, won't, you won't surely die. And we know that when she took of the fruit and she ate of the fruit and gave some to her husband, Adam, and then he ate of the fruit, the Bible says that their eyes were opened and all of a sudden they had knowledge they never had before. And the moment their eyes were opened, they realized they were naked and they felt shame and they felt guilt. So much so that they went and created coverings for themselves and hid from God. Can I ask you, is that what free people do? No, 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 I mean, you can be free to live your life any way you want. God will give you that freedom. But I think there are a lot of us today in culture who are claiming to be free, but in reality, we've been trapped by our guilt. I'm claiming to live free. I live however I want. It's the greatest thing. Nobody's gonna tell me how to live. I know the problem is you're trapped with your shame. The problem is, is you're not really free. You think you're free, but you're not really free. And what we don't even realize is the lies of our culture that come all the way back from their daddy that we have believed in this culture, right? What are the lies of this culture? If you do this, you'll be free. The, the idea that you can live however you want and do what you want and love who you want and act the way you want and you don't have to, you can ignore everything that God said because you're in control. You're the boss. You call the shots. The problem is we have a lot of people that are running around and they can do whatever they want, but they're actually locked up. You know, the lie that um, you will be happiest if you earn more money if you reach a pinnacle of success in your career, if you get respected by men, women, you, you know, all these lies, there's these cultural lies. Uh, you can sleep with whomever you want. doesn't matter if you're married or not married. That's dumb. That's so old and archaic, and it's just like you can sleep around, and it doesn't matter. You should because you don't want to limit yourself. See, we, these are all the, like, these are the lies, and, and I know I'm making them sound bad, but in our culture, they twist them so they actually sound good. But in the end, it leaves you scarred. In the end, it leaves you trapped. And, and listen, some of you younger people, you, you think, I don't want to do things. I don't do it my way. I don't want to listen to my parents. My parents don't know what they, they don't know anything. One day, you'll wake up and realize they knew a lot more than you even imagined. Right, moms and dads? I thought I'd get a little backing from that. I thought I'd get a little bit of support. One day... You, see, I don't want to live the way my mom and dad's rules. They're dumb. They're stupid. They don't know what they're talking about. We do the same thing with God. I don't want to operate my finances the way he tells me to. I don't want to forgive because I'm mad and they hurt me. 
I, I don't want to do these things. I don't want to honor God in this way. I don't want to honor. Like we, we, we do the same thing with God. And we think we know better. And Jesus said, but you don't understand that anytime you sin, that you actually become a slave to that very sin. And so today, truth has been separated from reality. It's become relative. It's become individualistic. And now the message is this. You can be free to live your truth. Have you heard that phrase? Live your truth? Live your truth. And as long as your truth does not affect my life and my truth does not affect your life, as long as you're not telling me what to believe and I'm not telling you what to believe and as long as the way I live doesn't hurt you, you live your truth, I live my truth, that sounds so good. It sounds great. Can I ask you a question? What happens if you live your truth and it's not actually the truth? What do you mean? It's my truth. I know, but what if we tethered truth back to reality? No, no, I'm free to do whatever I want. I know you're also free to go and spend every single amount of money they give you on a credit card. But one day, you're going to have to pay for it. What, what I'm saying is this whole idea of live your truth. What if living this way doesn't actually make us free? And so Jesus, he leans into it. And he says, if you hold to my teachings the pattern I give you for life, that's when you'll actually discover the truth and the truth will set you free. And we live in a time where we go, how do we know what's true? And, and so Jesus said something, I, I mean, in that moment when he's talking about the Father, he said, I, I've been, I came from the Father's presence. That's why when I tell you, I'm just, it's not, it's not even my own. Jesus said, these are not my own words. I'm telling you what I've received from my Father in heaven to you. I'm here to give you that message. And he said, but because of the way you live, you show that you come from a different father. Look at verse 39. He's, they said this. This was their response. Abraham is our daddy. That's my translation. Abraham is our father, they answered. Here's what Jesus said. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what? You would do what Abraham did. Now, now this is real important. I want you to see this. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham, didn't do such things. This is really important. Here's what Jesus does. He separates belief from behavior. And this is really important for us to see. Because most of us have this idea of what we say is true, and we will tell people, this is my truth, but then we'll go and actually live different from what we'll claim. We talked about that last week. What's that called? That's called heresy or hypocrisy, Right? That we, we say, I'm gonna, we, this is what I believe, but we go and we live something completely different. How do you know if what you believe is true? This is the question that we're asking today. How do I know? Like all my views, my political views, my sociological views, and my, all my views about God, my views about life, my views about marriage, my views about my kids. How do I know if what I believe is true? Here's what Jesus was trying to get to. We, we often say it's right out of our belief flows our behavior. Jesus said, if you want to know if your belief or your, what you believe is true, look at it backwards. Look at what you do. Look at how you live. How you live will actually determine what you really believe, not what you say you believe. How you live. This is real important because, especially in the church world, we are so good it's saying one thing and living something else. We're good at it. We're good at it. And Jesus said, if you want to know if you really hold the truth, it'll show up in how you live. And then he said this, you are doing the works of your own father. And they said, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. I think there are a lot of people sitting in churches that will say this out loud. I'm a child of God, and that's awesome. But it's one thing to say you're a child of God. It's another thing for your life to demonstrate that you really are. This is what Jesus is getting at. Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I do not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father. Who? The, who is it? The devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks in his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Here's the question, who's your daddy? That's his question. Because what we don't realize all the way back from the very beginning is that deception and that sin got locked into our DNA. And after generation, after generation, after generation, it creates the pattern for how we live. And here's what he was saying. The way you know if you hold the truth is if you actually do what Jesus, he said, Jesus, what I am telling you. Because I came from the Father and what I'm giving you is from heaven. What I'm giving you, the way to live. And I don't know if you've ever considered this before, but he's actually kind of making a point that we, we like to throw on that term, I'm a child of God. We sing songs, I'm a child of God. Because there was a moment when we believed in God and we maybe prayed a prayer, and that's wonderful. But can I tell you a better way of understanding if you're a child of God? Do you actually follow the ways of Jesus? I wish we could separate the two so badly. I'm a Christian. That's wonderful because you believe something. You know what matters more? How you actually live. Do you follow Jesus? Or do you just say, I'm a Christian and I do whatever I want to do? Oh, I'm a, here's, here's why that changes things, right? Because if we really want to be free in life, you got to follow Jesus' teachings his way. You do. It's not just enough to say, I believe. It actually has to come to life inside of you. Otherwise, you'll say, I believe all day long, but you'll be trapped. You'll be miserable. So what are, maybe what's the area, and this is, what's the area that maybe... God wants to press in on your life that you say, I feel justified in my truth, but it doesn't align with Jesus's way. Well, I'm not going to forgive. Mm-mm. That's not Jesus's way. It'll keep you locked up in prison of bitterness. Well, I'm not going to trust God with my finances. Well, guess what? Your treasure is determining your, where your heart is. I'm not going to, what is it? What is the area in your life? Is it your relationship? your dating relationship? Is it how you're treating your spouse? Is it what you're striving for, how you're living? If that either aligns with what Jesus said, it'll create a foundation of truth. And if not, guess what happens? You'll think you have the truth and then you'll have a tragedy in your life. You'll have a storm in your life. You'll get bad news. You'll have something happen and your whole world will fall apart. Because Jesus said, the one who builds their house on the rock is the person who puts into practice what I've taught. I, I want to know truth. I bet you want to know the truth. This is all murky. It's messy. I don't know all that. Here, it's real simple. You want to know truth? Get to know Jesus. How do I get to know Jesus? Begin to follow him. Begin to follow him. Because the key is not learning more knowledge. It's about discovering the person of Jesus. Can I give you one last verse and we're gonna pray. John 14, six, I love what Jesus said. Some of you already know it. Jesus made this big declaration. He said, I am the way, I am the what? Truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the truth. And the whole idea, say, how do I discover in this world what truth is? It's not the stuff you know. It's the person you know. And his name is Jesus. And if you begin to follow him, all of a sudden, you'll fall in love with him. And the more you get to know truth, that truth will set you free. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What if that's not, know- what if that's not knowing something new? What if that's knowing a person? You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. We're done, we're done. I know this message is maybe a little bit something to process. I know it's like, okay, what do I do with this? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask the spirit of God to illuminate in us the area of our lives that does not align with what Jesus said. How do I know what Jesus said? He gave it to us right here. Some of you have never read this. Start with the gospels, learn what Jesus said. If you wanna know truth in your life. And as you get to know Jesus, who is truth, he'll reveal the lies and deceptions that you have believed that have locked you up. But I believe that even today now in his spirit that he can bring a sense of freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so would you just bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment. I just, I just believe maybe that God wants to set some people free here today. 
Father, we come to you knowing that you are, you're our Father. God, I want my life to be a demonstration that I'm your son, or those would say I'm your daughter. God, I'm just thankful for the truth who is Jesus who came for me. Father, I, I pray that maybe for someone here today that is far from you, someone here today that maybe has never taken their first step with you, Jesus. Listen, if you're here maybe in this moment, I wonder if there's some of you maybe that are in this room or you're watching this online right now. And the reality of your life is, is one thing, but the truth is you need Jesus. You need his grace. You need his forgiveness. You need his love. He wants to change you. He, he died for you. He came to life for you. If you want to know truth, you find it through the person of Jesus. And it begins with faith. It begins with a moment of faith, a decision of faith. And here's the thing. Jesus invites you to follow him even with doubts and even with questions. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I want what's true. And I just sent something about Jesus, but I have a lot of questions. It's okay. The invitation Jesus says is come follow me. Come follow me. As you begin to walk with him, as you begin to discover how he said to live, you will meet the truth. You will meet the one who is truth, and he will set you free. And it begins right now with the decision of faith. If that's you, would you just pray this with me? That's your decision today. You say today, Father, I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe you sent him to die for me so that I could find forgiveness of my sin and so that I could come to the Father. And today I'll receive Jesus as my Lord, my Savior, and I choose to follow him for the rest of my life. Listen, now, if you're in here, you prayed that, but I, I know all of us, I believe there's something that maybe God wants to break free in your life. There's a lie that you've held on to, that you've received from the father of lies, the devil himself. It's an accuser of the brethren. Maybe it's a lie that you're not worthy of love. Maybe it's a lie that you're not worthy of God's uh, forgiveness. Maybe it's a lie that you will never be enough for God. Maybe it's whatever lie you believe. Life will never be better. That you believe and you're living in a place of despair. I just want to pray right now because the spirit of Jesus is in this place that he's going to bring freedom right now to you. So Father, I pray for every person here today that is locked up by guilt, locked up by shame, locked up God by the things they believe. And I just pronounce freedom right now through the spirit of Jesus that's in this place. As we set our eyes and our attention on the one who is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. God, as we build a foundation of truth, underneath the bus. God, I believe it's going to sustain us. It's going to set us free. It's going to release us. God, in the day when tragedy comes, we know that the truth is there. Thanks so much for tuning into this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.